Welcome to my show. Ugh, see, I wish I could have like a little jingle for my podcast. Like, I don't, I don't think that's really appealing though. Anyways, hey guys, you're listening to Amanda Victoria by AV Aesthetics. It's a podcast that I created as a personal journey, documenting all kinds of stuff that I'm going through since I became a solo esthetician back in February. I've been in the industry for seven years and I never knew going solo was going to be this hard. <laughs> But honestly, it's been so amazing, so rewarding, and so liberating, you guys. Oh my gosh, I wish I had done this a long time ago. But you know what? I'm glad I didn't because I I would not have been ready. But anyway, so d- to dive into tonight's episode number 11. Oh my gosh, we're at number 11, guys. Woo. Yeah. I'm a little pat on my back. Number 11. Is my acne really acne? I don't know. Is it? (laughs) No, seriously, though. There are so many skin conditions and skin diseases that actually look like acne and are misdiagnosed all the time for acne vulgaris, type 1 through 4 acne, and it's really not. So we're going to talk about three different scenarios, conditions, diseases that look just like acne, but are not. And we'll talk about that after I take Daisy out because she keeps looking at me and panting and whining. So I'll be right back. All right, let's get back to what we were talking about because she's done. So this episode was actually requested by Instagram follower Snabby. She wrote to me saying, my brother is suffering from body acne and is convinced it's fungal rather than bacterial. Would love a podcast episode, Instagram post talking about how to spot the difference, if that's possible. Love the show, by the way. Well, Snappy, first of all, thank you. That is the hugest compliment ever. And I even told my mom about it. I was like, Mom, guess what? People actually listen to my podcast. Even though I can see how many listeners I actually have and all the statistics to the show, there's just something different about numbers that, I don't know, makes it less personal. But I told her, I said, oh my God, Mom, people actually are listening to my podcast. And she said, that's good, honey. And I said, yeah, this girl messaged me requesting I do an episode on fungal acne and how to spot the difference. And she said, awesome. So when are you going to get a job? And I'm like, mom, this is my job. (laughs) But seriously, thank you, Snappy. And I am most definitely going to answer your question because this is an episode that I've been wanting to do for a while now. Um, So since we're going to be talking about three different conditions that look like acne, but aren't, I'll start with this one. And to start with this one is actually tackling like the biggest one out of all of them, first and foremost. So we're basically shooting towards the end, but it's okay because this is fine. Um, The malassezia folliculitis, I could literally do a whole podcast episode on it. So you never know, this may end up just being about fungal acne. (laughs) No, but seriously, to understand fungal acne, you have to also really understand bacterial acne. So the acne that we commonly deal with is 
going to be a lot different as far as what the content is in our hair follicles and our pores, sebaceous glands, all of the physiology, all of the systematic ways that it works and produces acne on the skin. So with acne, the regular acne, it's going to be an infection of the sebaceous gland. Well, that sebaceous gland is going to be controlling all of your oil production that sits on the skin to give you your protection and your hydration so that we're not like a shriveled up clam. So fungal acne is going to be all of the yeast production in the hair follicle. So we have yeast and we have bacteria. That's what keeps our flora balanced, right? We have a pH, like I always talk about, and both of those play into a harmonic role to keep everything in balance. Now, when one is off, the other grows. When the other grows, the other one dies. When You know what I mean? It's just a seesaw. And finding that balance is so crucial. And this is why. Because fungal acne is actually, um, by the way, it's, it's called malassezia folliculitis. And it sucks. It freaking sucks. It is something that people deal with for months. This is not just something that people get and then they take a pill and then put some cream on and they're good to go. I mean, yes, some cases, but usually this is going to be a long-term treatment. And I understand it because I'm still dealing with it from February. It is the trickiest son of a gun skin condition I have I think I've ever dealt with in my entire life not only because of the duration but because of the fact that it leaves such ugly weird discolored scars that are not scars they're blisters folliculitis can be either bacteria or funga fungi so what happens is those enter and infect a hair follicle so that results in inflammation so the inflammation that shows up on the skin is going to show up as red um, itchy kind of rashy raised bumps and so for some people they think these bumps are acne and they go ahead and they extract them well what happens is it excretes differently than acne and most of the times, those pores are only filled with a clear liquid instead of pus. But here's the thing. This statement is true to an extent. And from someone that personally deals with this all over my face and body, I can tell you that what you're going to find is more than just clear liquid sometimes. The reason why it is clear liquid is because of the temperature of the pore and the content. So when the content of the follicle is warmer, it melts and can turn into liquid. And this is what's going to create your blister-like lesions. But when the skin is cold, the content hardens and looks like a pimple. But it is going to come out as a yellowish white cylinder followed by sometimes a hair. That kind of goes hand in hand with regular acne, which is why we think sometimes it is. Um, and the reason this all happens is because the yeast accumulates in the hair follicle. Okay, so it stretches this pore and damages the growth of the next hair follicle to take that already adult hair's place. So you have a, an adult hair that is on its way out. You know, it's going through all of the hair, uh, the hair cycle phases. And once it hits adult phase, it doesn't really have any way of going anymore, of shedding anymore, because it's being stuck and bogged down 
by this yeast. And then the next hair follicle that's coming behind this adult hair has no nutrients, no any type of nutrition or any type of chance of becoming a strong hair follicle because of the way that the yeast is just blocking the hair follicles. I know we're saying follicle a lot. <laughs> so this is going to inflame the skin, but it, it it's a different type of inflammation. It's just a lot of activity going on. Um, and so... <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think. Malassezia folliculitis is a it's a very very long and complicated type of skin condition. I mean, if you go to simpleskincarescience.com, it's a blog that this esthetician wrote, and it is a novel specifically on Malassezia folliculitis. It is incredible the research that this person did on this condition, and I I had to research all of that and read all of that and study all of it. And I am trying my hardest to simplize and put together a very broad synopsis for you. So I guess that can really go into now how to determine if you have bacterial or if you have fungal acne, malassezia folliculitis. So if you really do have fungal acne, when you extract one of those blisters, it never heals. Honestly, it really doesn't. Or it at least takes months before it closes up and heals. And the reason why this happens is because hair follicle is now damaged and open. The yeast stretches the pore and creates a larger opening. And when this pore becomes enlarged and stretched, it gives the yeast a larger area to excrete. When it excretes, it acts different than what oil does to the skin and actually leaves a flaky scale on the skin over that opening. So if we were looking at a picture of a hair follicle with the sebaceous gland attached, you're going to see that with malassezia folliculitis, the fungus is entrapping all around the hair, down to the pile, like down to the point where it's connecting to roots and blood vessels and nutrition and supply. That sebaceous gland, whenever it, whenever it doesn't have that yeast, it has a chance to release the sebum that our bodies naturally produce. When this hair follicle is blocked with this hard compacted yeast, it's going to trap that oil and it's going to create almost like a, a bump, like a white flesh colored bump. And then when you extract it, all of it pours out with your oil and the yeast fungus and it's going to start infecting all the other hair follicles as well around it. Because when we go to clean up the extraction, you're typically not going to be using an antifungal because you didn't you don't know that this is fungal okay so when people are extracting certain things on their face by themselves they're potentially obviously causing more harm but what happens is those yeast cells those fungus cells sit on the skin they're not wiped away by an antifungal they're wiped away by an antibacterial which it will not work it will not kill them 
and it starts infecting the next hair follicle and then the next hair follicle. And then what you're gonna notice is that the same thing that you wanted to extract beforehand is now looking just the same to the left of it. And then before you know it, you have this long systematic line. And so that is something that I want other estheticians to really pay attention to. When acne looks systematic, that's when you need to turn on your little beep, 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 little alerters, okay? And also, when that yeast, that fungus is excreted from that hair follicle and it sits there, it's going to turn into a flake, a scale, and it's going to harden and it's going to prevent that hair follicle from growing and also create ingrown hairs and then also create acne within that scaly nastiness. So it's going to look like acne. It's going to look like eczema. It's going to look like seborrheic dermatitis. And all of those are under the umbrella of malassezia folliculitis. And here's what gets really crazy. Demodex, the mites that naturally live in our hair follicles, they love to consume yeast and bacteria. So when our bodies have an overproduction of yeast, they're, they're chilling, man. They're chilling down in that hair follicle, eating away as much as they can, taking away all the nutrients, all the good stuff away from the hair follicles. And then you're left with just a bunch of inflammation, a hair that falls out because there's no, no attachment anymore. There's no nutrition. And you start losing hair and you get stuck with these flakes and soon before you know it, it's all in your eyebrows because it's attracted to a lot of oily areas. And those demodex start moving around, having themselves a good old time at night, causing all sorts of itchiness. They're transferring that yeast. <sighs> yeah. So they're not, they're not the cause of it. They're just the ones that aren't helping it. So what happens is rosacea starts to become a flare-up because rosacea and demodex are linked together. So whenever the demodex are carrying around all these cells of yeast and going and inflaming all of these hair follicles and infecting all of them, it's going to start becoming so inflamed that it's going to look like rosacea with papules and pustules. And it's true, but for me, whenever everything happened at first, that's what the doctor had mentioned. He said, you have demodex mites and it's causing a rosacea flare-up. Well, what we, didn't, uh, what we didn't know at the time is that it was actually seborrheic dermatitis that demodex were carrying through my eyebrows to other parts of my face after I had used one of those epilators. Yeah, it's a whole lot of mess. So moving on. With your brother, if he feels as though he has fungal acne, he most likely needs to go to the dermatologist and get a skin sample. Because I'm telling you, it is so tricky. If he is experiencing flakes, if he's experiencing blisters, 
non-healing lesions that are kind of like a brown, kind of weird discolored, tan-colored, nasty weirdness color. I, I can't explain it. it. It's it's red, it's black, it's blue, it's purple, it's green, it's yellow. It's all sorts of colors. And that's what's so gross about it and so annoying. Because when you remove these flakes, you're actually damaging the skin more. So you can't remove the flakes. So you have to use certain products. Now, using certain products is hard because you can't have certain ingredients because certain ingredients are going to exasperate the yeast. So if your brother needs a consultation, please let him know that I am 100% free and he can, you know, knock on my door anytime. I, I got him, okay? It's just, it's too much. It's, it's a lot. Um, and so to continue on, I think I covered everything, but you're going to really find this problem, the malassezia folliculitis, in people who have ha been prescribed antibiotics frequently or live in warmer humid climates like I do. So the humidity keeps the skin warm and wet, and that gives the yeast all the more reasons to overproduce, especially when there is no more good bacteria that was killed from all the antibiotics to balance it anymore after all those rounds of whatever, doxycycline, tetracycline. So how to treat, like I said, it's so tricky. Um, cleansers and serums containing mandelic acid are good. Um, antifungal shampoos are good. They're all safe. Um, but the, the kicker really is you need to avoid sugar and yeast. Sugar and yeast containing foods such as bread, alcohol, processed, frozen foods, sandwich meat, and dairy needs to be eliminated ASAP. Because here's the thing, the candida in your gut, that is your digestive tract that's where your immune system lives. And so when your digestive tract and your gut health is off and you have too much candida, it's only going to exacerbate the malassezia even more. And all of those foods, sugar, yeast, whatever, alcohol, all feed it and turn it into what it's fuel, basically. Um, if you know, he does end up going to the dermatologist, they're going to probably prescribe him, um, if it is, an oral antifungal uh, like duflucan, uh, fluconazole, um, and most likely the ketoconsole shampoo. It's going to be a stronger percentage of antifungal shampoo that you're going to find at a grocery store. This one's 2%. I believe the ones at the store are only 1%. Um, so yeah, that is malassezia folliculitis. Um, I'll definitely post some pictures uh, whenever I make the video for this podcast. But if seriously, if you have any more questions, I, I don't, I have no problem answering them. Um, I just, I really wanted to make sure that I summed that up as best as I could so that we could get to the next two. Um, so the next one is perioral dermatitis. Um, so this, this skin problem is actually concentrated around the nose, the mouth, the chin, wherever very small papules and pustules are found. And a really good indicator that you have the, the perioral dermatitis and not acne is that whenever you go to use your acne products with this, it's going to aggravate it even more. So like benzoyl peroxide, um, typical acne treatments, if you use that on that and it, it becomes super aggravated, you just know right away like that is perioral dermatitis. They're going to look like tiny, tiny little red 
dots that sometimes you can extract, but you really, really shouldn't because it's a rash. It's a hive. It is not a pimple. It is not something that has anything to excrete. It's like a tiny blister. And all you're going to do is just damage your skin and let a whole bunch of other stuff enter from an open sore, which leads to secondary infection. And we don't need that on top of perioral dermatitis because it's itchy and it's aggravating. Um, I personally suffer from uh, perioral dermatitis whenever everything started to kind of happen in February, December. Um, I noticed that certain cleansers and certain things that I was using, like my toothpaste and cleansers, whatever, started really, really aggravating my skin. And it was like, you could tell, it looked like I had broken out into a bunch of red little pimples. Um, but it, it was just a rash. Um, a lot of triggers that cause perioral dermatitis are chloride and fluoride found in dental products, steroid, uh, steroid facial creams, hormones, sun exposure, <clears throat> heavy creams and oils, cold and sun exposure. Sorry, I think I'm losing my voice. Um, so that's, let's see. So yeah, that's, that's perioral dermatitis. That's actually not in an esthetician scope. So if we do have a client that comes in and we see a very prevalent case of perioral dermatitis, uh, we are definitely going to have to refer you to a dermatologist because they're the one that, that is going to prescribe you what you need. And they're typically going to prescribe you an antibiotic, ugh, I know, um, and then also a topical cream, steroid cream which it doesn't make sense because steroid creams can inflame it, but sometimes the steroid cream can actually help once it's actually present. So for the third, third and last one, we have sebaceous hyperplasia. So sebaceous hyperplasia, um, it's a really actually common condition, but it's mostly caused by aging skin. So around 30, androgen levels drop and the skin cells turnover rates slow down and your body and your skin cells stop turning over your skin cells as fast as it should because our turnover rate decreases as we get older. When we're younger, our, our turnover rate for our skin cells is a, probably around every um, I want to say 14 days as, you know, a woman matures and reaches her full womanhood. Um, it's then kind of with the skin cycle of the, um, the reproductive cycle. So about 28 days. Um, after, you know, a few years, six years after that, um, you're going to hit probably every 32. And then as you get older into your 30s, you're going to just plateau at probably regenerating new skin cells every, you know, 52 days, which is long. But that's exactly why we put a lot of people, um, especially late 20s, early 30s, 40s, 50s on retinol, because retinol is a vitamin A derivative that increases your cell turnover rate. So it's going to give you that chance to make new skin cells and then shed those skin cells at the rate that they're supposed to. Because when they start slowing down, you're going to end up getting like these milia-like sebocytes. Um, and all it is is just made up of oil glands and secrete sebum. 
Um, so these are from the sebaceous gland. So this is actually bacterial, but it's not showing as an inflamed pimple. It's going to be actually showing as almost like a, a white yellowish small donut bump. Um, and they can either be small or they can be big. And it's often found around, um, I would say the eyebrows. So like in the temple region, um, kind of in the cheek jaw area. And when you try to extract them, no oil comes out, um, because there's just no more pore opening. All of those skin cells accumulated so much and created almost like a benign cellular buildup that there's just, it's done. It's, it's not there anymore. Um, and the only way that we can really remove these is by electrolysis. Um, and they're not always permanent, the results, because once you remove one, I promise you those skin cells have attuned to what their, um, identity is, and they're just going to probably come right back, but you never know. Another good treatment is photodynamic therapy, cryotherapy, liquid nitrogen, um, and topical chemical treatments like chemical peels, uh, like I said, the retinol. Um, laser treatments can help reduce these oil-filled bumps, um, but really don't try to pick at these at home. They are going to be hard as a rock. You're going to think that there's something under there, and there isn't. It's just skin cells. Um, and all you're going to do is just create something and we don't want that. And you're just going to hurt your face and cause scarring. And then you're going to come to me and say, Amanda, I don't know what's wrong. I, I just thought that this was a pimple and it's not, I guess it's not. And now I'm left with this big scar and, and then it's up to me to, to get rid of the scar. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. This stuff happens all the time. That's why we're here. But yeah, so that's, those are the three main um, conditions that look just like acne, but they are not. And to kind of briefly go over it again, we have our folliculitis, which we talked about the malassezia, um, the fungal folliculitis. Now the bacterial fol uh, folliculitis, that, that's going to be more or less your razor burn and shaving your legs and um, having a lot of irritation that is more on top. So with folliculitis, you have superficial and then you have uh, the kind that is true deep folliculitis. The true deep folliculitis is going to be, it could be anywhere from the the bacteria or the yeast. Uh, it's just depending on the stages, but usually bacteria uh, folliculitis is going to be more of your superficial or your artificial. Um, and those are easy to clear up as well. You can uh, just use salicylic acid, um, you know, a Bactrovan topical cream, because um, you don't want those to turn into staph, because that's another thing that looks like acne that is not, but we don't have time for that. So, Snabby, I hope these answered your questions, especially for your brother, and I hope that you guys learned a lot from this, and I'm sorry if it seemed like a lot, but that's the aesthetics world, guys. That's what we deal with. We are not dermatologists, we're not doctors, but we have to study like them, and we have to know our stuff, or else we're, we're not going to make it. 
And it's got to be your passion because if it's not, then you're going to miss out on knowing these things and you're going to miss out on helping clients truly and real, really the way that they should be helped. Um, so if you feel as though you have any sort of conditions like this and you want to know for sure before going to the dermatologist, you can always go to an esthetician and they will tell you. It's it's a lot less expensive driving and paying out of pocket for a new client dermatologist appointment and instead just get a consultation and have either me or someone else look at it, take a look and say, yeah, no, this is out of my scope. Let's send you to a derm. Um, if it is in my scope, I will do absolutely everything I can. I have a surplus amount of knowledge and findings and research on the malassezia folliculitis. Um, that can be treated without oral antifungals if you want it to be, but it is going to be very hard and it's going to take a lot of homework for you and on your part. Because like I said, it's the foods, it's the alcohol, it's the beer. Beer is, I mean, that's all yeast. If you're drinking beer constantly, or, you know, as you're leisurely drink, you are seriously setting yourself up for an overcandida growth in the gut, which can lead to leaky gut syndrome. And that, that's a whole nother podcast. So again, thank you guys so much for listening. I had a wonderful time talking about all this stuff with you guys. And again, if you have any questions, please reach out, make your consultation guys. It's worth it. If you want to be put on a skincare plan and get healthier skin, you are listening to the right girl (laughs) because I have plenty, plenty of experience and I have wonderful success rate as far as implementing self-love, self-care, and really mentoring and coaching you guys to get you where you need to be on not only your healthy skin, but just overall healthy mental health and healthy well-being. That's what's most important. So... If you would like, you can go to my Instagram, av.aesthetics, and I also have a YouTube channel, xoavaesthetics, and I am available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Breaker, Overcast, um, I think a couple of other popular platforms for the podcast, um, but yeah, thank you guys. What a what an episode. You guys really put me to uh, to work tonight. <laughs> All right, guys, you guys have a wonderful day and a beautiful night. And we'll talk next Thursday around 10 o'clock.